Welcome to Energy Radio. This is episode 43, and today I'm joined by Dan White and Mark Arndt of AB Energy. Uh, welcome, guys, to the show. Thank you, Matt. Thanks. Thanks for having us. So, uh, Dan, COO, AB Energy, uh, we go back um, several years now, become friends over the years. Um, talk to me about uh, your your journey in the CHB space and uh, and, and a little bit about your current role, but, but give us a bit of a, a glimpse into your illustrious CHP history. Sure, Matt. Yeah. Hey, but before that, I, I, I did want to uh, share with you a little disappointment, though, if that's okay. Well, well, sure, we can lead with the bad news and get to the good news, I guess. <laughs> so, you know, I, I, I typically don't participate in these kind of things, but, uh, you know, Mark approached me one day and said, hey, you know, Lisa Barber has asked for... Uh, you to be part of this podcast and she's going to interview you and, and immediately I jumped on it um, but then I don't see Lisa here today so I need to ask you was that a, a tactic or what, what What did you do there Matt? I wish I could tell you I was smart enough to do a bait and switch Dan but I'm not. Um, Lisa had other priorities something about family day weekend you know she's a family woman now and uh, she's got a daughter of her own and so I guess she's uh, reorganized her own priorities so I, I can't speak for her Dan but uh, you'll have to you'll have to be okay with just me Perfect. sorry but it's okay Matt you know you, you come in a close second so it's, uh, it's all right uh, okay so anyway all kidding aside uh, you know for me you know Matt really you know my career started at uh, professional power products uh, later named 3PI but essentially, you know, it's a packaging company located in Wisconsin. Um, we were really focused on diesel standby and offshore oil projects. And then um, we got some inquiries for CHP um, and we kind of moved into that space. Uh, you know, during that time, I was pretty fortunate to move from a mechanical engineer to mechanical engineering manager. I actually ran the shop floor for about a year, which was pretty neat. Um, and then I moved to New Jersey and opened uh, an engineering office specifically dedicated for CHP. Um, you know, during that time, you know, the company was purchased by a publicly traded company. Uh, and we entered a joint venture with a company called SW Cogen or Sterling and Wilson, um, where we designed, you know, a small cogeneration system uh, focused around uh, a rich burn engine. Um, and we also worked on larger, you know, other larger CHP, you know, packages. And I think right around that time is when I met um, CEM. I met you and, and Lisa. Um, yeah. You know, we worked on some really, really great projects together, and it's been uh, it's been a pleasure to work with you guys. You were doing sales at the time, I think, right? I, I, I might have had sales in my job title. That's <laughs> you got it, Matt. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so for that position, yeah, I did move to New Jersey. Um, the headquarters for AB Energy USA is located in New Jersey, so I was very fortunate to um, see the product, learn more about the company. Uh, and as you can imagine, you know, coming from a packaging company who packaged, um, you know, engines, generator sets uh, for some OEMs, you know, AB was pretty enticing to me, just given the fact that. You know, we would do the containerization. We also supply the generator sets, but we also supply the service. So um, a lot of times in that packaging industry, um, it gets a little complex because there's so many players. But, uh, you know, with, with AB, it's one throat to choke, and it's really a, a pretty neat concept in, in my mind. So talk to me before we move on. If you use the packaging term, maybe for some listeners, it's it's a, you know, they're thinking of, 
you know, the Amazon box that comes in all the cardboard packaging or you go to the store and you buy consumer goods and that's packaging. Uh, I don't think that's what you mean. Uh, explain that packaging term that you're using, Dan, for our listeners. Yeah, absolutely, Matt. So, so in our industry, you know, packaging really means um, you're taking um, some parts and you're putting them together into a package or a system. So, you know, for professional power products, for instance, we would work with the local dealers or distributors. So it could be the cat dealers, the Cummins dealers, could be anybody. Um, they would actually give us a gen set on consignment, essentially, and we would do the packaging around that. So we would supply, you know, diesel fuel tanks, um, sound attenuated enclosure, fire rated enclosures, things like that. And then we would ship it from our factory to the end user or to the site. Um, so really, it's just um, you could also consider them like an integrator, I guess. So a packager can be seen as an integrator in, in, in most cases. Okay, cool. Good. So, what your role now with AB? Yeah. What what keeps you busy day to day, aside from you know doing uh, doing podcasts? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. This is the first podcast, Matt. So, uh, uh, so I haven't spent a whole lot of time on that. But uh, so yeah. It's so good to be your first, Dan. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks. Uh, so no. So you know, day to day, you know, really operations focused. Um, so again, AB. You know, we'll talk more about the service part of it, but uh, it's super important to us. You know, in our company, we have over 300 service technicians globally. Um, we provide availability guarantees. Um, you know, so service is super important, but service is challenging. I mean, these engines run 24-7. Um, we'd like to believe that things don't happen, but they do. And when they do, we have commitments to our customers. So it's all it's all about organization. It's all about customer satisfaction and, and responding as quickly as possible to any condition that can happen. Okay, cool, good. Awesome, well, Mark, um, welcome. You are a, a key account manager with uh, AB. Talk to us a little bit about uh, first your journey to uh, to AB and then a little bit more about what, what you're doing there, uh, if you will. Sure, absolutely, thanks. Yeah, so I joined AB about uh, two years ago. Uh, at the time I was working in the water environmental industry and uh, AB was looking for a regional sales manager for the uh, Canada East region. Um, they reached out, invited me to a series of interviews, um, which was quite interesting on its own. The um, yeah, At the time I'd been in around cogeneration power equipment um, for quite some time, working with emission products in, in cogens in greenhouses in the Netherlands, biogas to power sites in Germany. So for the company I had previously worked for, I was um, traveling extensively between Europe and, and North America um, and was already quite familiar with AB, AB being a customer of the uh, of the company that I worked for. Okay. So um, they were also was, pretty... That was, yeah, DC, that was DCL International where you were before? Correct. Yeah, yeah that's uh, the company I worked with, Lisa. Right, you worked with our, our uh, Lisa who... Um, has become our, our co-host on this show, but as Dan pointed out off the hop, that uh, she's this is her, this was her second one and she's missed it, so she's uh, batting 50% as a co-host. So we'll be reevaluating that. But <laughs> apparently, Mark, there's a story. Lisa's big into motorbikes, as Dan is aware, and you know she she talk, you know she makes a lot of connections through riding and things like that. But 
I guess there's a story about you and training wheels and Lisa's motorbike or something. Um. Well, she, yeah, she, she'd come to work, obviously, uh, on, on her motorbike. And then um, five to ten minutes, uh, she, she'd have to change and get into work clothes from the, the bike leathers that she was wearing. So I had about five to ten minutes. I could see that every morning from her parking her bike right next to the, uh, the, the president of the company's Mercedes. And then, uh, yeah, so that one morning I... I prepared and I walked out and I taped some training wheels to the uh, to the bike put some streamers on it a little horn um, <clears throat> and then just waited for Lisa to come walk over to uh, to her desk and, and commented on really nice bike this morning and well she didn't pick up on it right away but uh, as colleagues came in as the morning progressed uh, she, she got a, a, lot, a number of comments on how nice her bike looked and uh, yeah, eventually she saw it I love it I love it. Excellent. So you go from emissions control, you you uh, you end up uh, at AB. What's your what's your focus day to day now, Mark? So it it varies between uh, the roles as a regional sales manager. So I'm still looking after some of the uh, the Ecomax, um, CHP, and power generation products uh, in, in or projects in Canada. Um, but a lot of that is also now focused on our new product line on biochange, uh, RNG upgrading. So. I'm also the key account manager for RNG North America. Um, that's also based on some of the the history and background experience I had. So, DCL at the time was also looking into developing um, products for for biogas treatment, uh, siloxane removal, H2S removal, and so on. So I was part of that uh, that product development and placement of those products and brought that experience into AB. Cool. So. And I think that's where we're going to go for the bulk of today's discussion is to talk about you know, that product and that space and, and you know some of the opportunities. But before we do that, maybe, Dan, I'll ask you to just give a bit of a, a history and an intro to AB. We keep, keep throwing around that term. The listeners are probably thinking, well, what about C, you know, ABC? But talk to us about AB Energy. You know, how did it get started? What's its focus in the market? Uh, just give us the rundown, Dan, on that. Sure, sure. Yeah, uh, so, so Matt, AB actually stands for Angelo Barron-Kelly, who is the uh, president and owner uh, of our company. He started it uh, 40 years ago, um, the same year I was born. So, uh, you know, just uh, AB, had a, AB had a birthday and I had a birthday this year. So, uh, that, you know, we're 40 years old now. Uh, but anyway, so the company is primarily focused on energy products. Um, so, you know, if you would have asked us this a couple of years ago, we would have said CHP was our focus, but you'll really see that now AB is is, is really a sustainability world. You know, we're, we're all about sustainable energy products. Um, we, we have our pride and joy, the Ecomax, um, which comes in a lot of different uh, flavors. So, you know, from biogas, landfill, um, syngas, um, natural gas, uh, but we have, you know, now released BioChange, which, you know, Mark will talk more about. You know, our company is um, really about prefabrication and containerization, so really reducing risk, reducing lead time. Um, so when a product shows up at site, you know, it takes, you know, a few weeks to install, not a few months to install. And we kind of have taken the Ecomax design and pushed that into the biochange um, as well, so containerized packages. Um, you know, our, our company is headquartered in Europe, in Italy, just east of Milan. Um, in a really good location because we do utilize Janbacher engines, so Austria is not that far away. So we bring the engines in from Austria, package them, and then send them uh, globally, which right now we're in 21 different countries all over the world. 
Um, you know, our CHP packages range from 300 kW to 4.4 megawatts in a single package. Um, so yeah, 21 countries. We have over a thousand employees at this point, and, and 300 are in service. Um, so you can understand how important that service is for us. And is uh, it true, Dan, that because of where the head office is located in in Italy, uh, so close to the uh, home of Ferrari, that every employee drives a Ferrari at the head office? Is that true? I, I, I thought that I thought that Matt initially, but it, it's not correct. Usually, you know, Fiat is, uh, is 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 probably the norm, but. Okay. Uh, but when you are in Italy, you do need to, to, to travel down to Modena, um, Lamborghini, Ferrari, Bugatti, Pagani, Ducati, all in the same little town. So pretty, pretty interesting place. to Well, you know, I'm, I'm still awaiting my invitation. So when, when the invitation comes in the mail, I will, uh, I will take you up on it. Absolutely. We do have a number of Ferraris working at AB though. So, you know, it's, yeah. it's in the family. People with the last name Ferrari. You got it. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Very cool. Okay. Um, so, so, Matt, so yeah, we have, you know, 1,500 installations now. Um, we have the capability to produce up to 300 units per year. Um, you know, the town that uh, the company's located at is Orzanovi, Italy. And really, the, the, the town, it's a small town, and it's, it's really all dedicated to AB. Um, it's pretty, a pretty wild place to be. Um, and then even at our facility, it's pretty neat. You know, we have our own biogas CHP system serving the facility. Um, and Mark can talk more about it, but we also have installed our own biochain system now as well. Um, so we produce biogas and either use it in the CHP or or, or upgrade it. Um, so anyway, I, I mean, I could go on forever about AB, Matt, but uh, you know, sales is not in my, my job title now. So I'll, I'll, cut, I'll, I'll cut that short and uh, I'll, I'll turn it over to you. Briefly, before we get into the biochange, Dan, the, the North American uh, expression of AB, not not 40 years old, although uh, you might be, but uh, talk to us a bit about, you know, what that looks like, how that's been growing, kind of what, what's under your purview in the U.S., a bit about that. Yeah, I'll let Mark speak about um, Canada, but for the U.S., you know, we started in uh, around 2014, Matt, so... Um, you can imagine coming in, we started, you know, from scratch. Um, so it's been, you know, it's been difficult to get the AB brand out there, but now, you know, really we feel like we've, we've, we've got some steam, we've got some momentum. Um, we have a really great installed base. Um, so we have, you know, from hospitals to landfills to greenhouses, um, you know, to an office building in, in, in New York City. So really, um, what's nice is, you know, any, any customer that has an application, we can take them to see um, that exact, you know, Ecomax, that exact um, site. So, um, you know, it was slow going at first, but I really feel like, you know, 2020, despite the pandemic, was pretty successful for us, and 2021 is looking to be uh, even better than 2020. Wow. And all thanks to Joe Biden. That's great. Yeah. Uh, good. And, and so, Mark, you're, you're based here in Canada, right? Yeah, correct. Okay, and so you're you're part of, you kind of have you kind of live this double life. You have, you're a secret agent in the U.S. and then you're you know here in Canada as well. Is that that how you split your time? Yeah, that's that's pretty much it, and that's uh, kind of the way it was before. So even when I was with DCL, I was spending time between um, Europe and Canada. Now it's between Canada and the states, although travel's a bit restricted these days. So mm. it's it's more uh, virtually in the U.S. He doesn't have to flip a switch, Matt. Um, so you know, when he's speaking in Canada, he says projects. But I've been trying to break him when he speaks to U.S. customers that it's projects. 
project. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Does he have a switch that turns off A at the end of every sentence? Uh, as well? uh, the A is there. there. Yeah, that that that's I think probably something that's endearing. So we should that we should hold on to that, right? So, um, and and A B in Canada is actually a bit older than A B in the U S. Right, Mark? We've yeah, that's right. Longer. So. AB as AB Canada is is also 2014. That's when AB um, acquired and cooperated more closely with EPS, uh, European Power Systems, which was created about five years earlier uh, by Jan Buick, who was uh, our CEO. So EPS had been in the market then uh, since 2009, 2010, and uh, was already quite active on, on cogens and so on. And then AB came in in 2014, um, acquired the majority, and we've been AB Canada ever since. I wrote, that makes me think of, I was, when I came into the, the market, I did a lot of biogas stuff early on. And I remember, you know, as a young, wet behind the ears engineer, everybody talking about Jan Buick and, and hearing about Jan Buick. And then I, would, I went to an open house at a biogas project in Eastern Canada, or Eastern Ontario rather. And, and the farm is on the hill and the, and the, the, the Yenbacher engine is on the hill. And, and there, there I see, it's almost like the clouds opened and then there was like sunlight and there was, uh, there was Jan with his, you know, flowing hair and, you know, <laughs> his, you know, how he has that stature that, and that, you know, that Dutch kind of composure and, and ah, there, there was Jan and I had the chance to meet him uh, for the first time and obviously I've gotten to know him really well and uh, think extremely highly of, of him and everything he's done. And, I know we were involved in one of the very early AB projects uh, at an automotive facility in Guelph. So that's been a, it's been a good run uh, for the for the Ecomax product, and it's a it's a good product. So um, and now you're and now you're you're pivoting, Mark. Talk to us about um, biochange. My I think my notes have a typo. There's a four in the middle of it. But talk talk to us about the product here, Mark, and what what's kind of behind it and and what it is. And you know the floor the floor is yours, Ben. Talk to us about it. All right. No, and, and there's no typo. Biochange is spelled with a four instead of an A. That's CH4. So we're we are biochanging methane. What, and so, what is for those of us who uh, forget organic chemistry, Mark? What is CH4? CH4 is the uh, the, the chemical formula for methane. That's two. Or that's me methane. Or how you prefer. Playing along at home. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I'll I'll stop interrupting you. Talk to us about biochange. Yeah, no worries. We yeah, so we we started developing this uh, RNG or biomethane upgrading system a number of years ago. Um, <clears throat> focused obviously primarily on the on the European market and uh, based on market developments that we were seeing in that the sort of the key biogas markets that started it all in Italy, France, Germany, and so on. Um, and given the experience that we've already had in in CHP installations at biogas plants, uh, farms, we we sort of took that um, gas treatment requirement, which we'd already been advising customers on, on how to handle that to uh, help with the engine, help with the emissions and so on, and uh, also looking at sort of the industry direction. So seeing countries like Italy and Germany implementing incentives for, for cleaner energies uh, and, and the market direction was, was pretty clear that it was moving towards uh, biomethane production and injecting clean gas into the grid. So at the time, we uh, looked and evaluated a number of the technologies that are still common in the market from PSAs, water washing, amine washing, membranes, obviously. Um, and given the, the flexibility and reliability, uh, all of the, the, the integration possibilities that we saw in membranes, we, uh, we went that route. Um, also looking at what kind of the membranes 
need to to operate. They don't need and what they don't need. So they don't need heat. They don't need waste consumables like water or chemicals. Um, and um, through our, our engineering expertise and, and sort of that all of that experience in there, we uh, saw possibilities to optimize systems. Um, so created a specialized energy management system, uh, flow design that through the membranes and membrane uh, array, um, and figured out a way to to operate the systems efficiently, but with a lower power requirement than uh, systems that, that were commonly in the market. Um, so walk us through, you have, you have some, like what, what kind of gas is on the front end? Like where, where, where is this gas coming from that you're cleaning up? So biogas can, and the biogas can have different sources. Typically what we're, what we were working with, because that's simply the largest market was um, agricultural waste or livestock farm waste, but it can equally come from landfills, from water treatment plants, food processing plants, anything that operates a digester and um, yeah, well digests organics to, uh, to gas. Um, the different sources will, will require different kind of treatment levels for the gas. So a lot of the focus that we do spend on is, is that agricultural farm-based um, AD systems and the, the biogas generated from that. And so you have, you have that biogas that's 60-65% uh, methane, there's a bunch of carbon dioxide, there's a bunch of other uh, crap in there. And then you mentioned membrane, I mean are you just, are you squeezing it through something and some stuff fits and other stuff, like talk to us about the, from a high level, the, the guts of how you go from that biogas to essentially all uh, methane. Yeah, so we'll uh, we'll take that that source gas, the biogas coming from the digester. It'll um, typically, if, if it's coming from that agricultural source, it, it doesn't really need that much treatment um, before it goes into our, our pre-treatment phase, our first phase, which is dehumidification and temperature control, as well as a bit of compression. And then uh, that's sent to um, our VOC and H2S removal system or polishing system uh, just to get rid of the hydrogen sulfide and um, the VOCs, terpenes, whatever uh, whatever is in, still in the gas. And then uh, again compressed and pushed through those membranes. And the membranes you really have to picture like uh, tubes with a certain permeability. So the, the gas is pushed through it. Um, the CO2 is able to um, permeate to, to go uh, to, to separate out while the methane stays inside the tubes and is, is pushed through. So the CO2 is essentially filtered out um, and then we have 97% or more uh, methane in the uh, in the finished RNG gas. So system efficiencies, the, the way that we have this set up are well over 99% uh, of the methane recovered. And the more methane you can recover, the more RNG you have at the tail end. And that's uh, really the, uh, the, the key to uh, both environmental compliance and, and obviously economical impact. And what happens to that CO2 that you know gets squeezed through the membrane? Uh, what happens to to it after the after the process? So the CO2 <clears throat> uh, is is either vented through the tail gas and sent to uh, destruction through a flare, through a thermal oxidizer, or it can be vented. It's already been accounted for in, in a uh, carbon cycle when you look at it, because it comes from the biogas, from waste that has already had its CO2 impact. So it's it's not like um, releasing new CO2 into the uh, the atmosphere. It's, uh, it's a recycled thing. We could capture it, and we do have the technologies for that, as in convert it to industrial or food grade CO2. <clears throat> and so those possibilities exist. Um, 
However, in industrial or even food grade CO2 right now is, is simply cheaper to buy um, than to manufacture. So uh, eventually it'll get there, but right now that is that is sent off to the to through the tail gas. And, and Dan, I'm curious that CO2 capture and, and recovery and you know like if you put this with a greenhouse, is it is it sim- you know we used to do that on the back of Yenbacher engines, right? With uh, putting it in a green, is it similar technology or it's it's very different? So in this case, for for biochange, it's it's quite a bit different. But for CHP, you know, really, um, it's a very elegant kind of SCR system uh, to be able to recover that CO2 to put it back into the greenhouse. Um, so Mark, maybe more about the CO2, you know, from biochange. I know it's a different a different process. Yeah. So it's it, it it's there's nothing with um, you know an SCR system or oxidation catalysts or anything that that needs to clean it out or oxidize um, the CO2 out of it. It's it's really the CO2 that's in the gas that's passed through the membranes. It's been filtered out. Um, we can further purify it if needed, hence the food grade CO2 options. Um, but li- like I said, they are currently, it's it's currently more economically feasible to buy the CO2 um, than to manufacture and use it. It would ha- also have to be used uh, from these sites to wherever it needs to go. And that kind of defeats the purpose of, you know, carbon intensities and um, removing carbon from the cycle. Yeah, it's, it, I think it's an important thing to always be thinking about in these projects as we, you know, as we see the move from gray, you know, we're going to talk about hydrogen in a minute, right? We see the move from gray to blue to green hydrogen. A lot of that is because of, you know, carbon capture, right? And so it's, it's good to hear that, you know, it may not be economical at this point, but, you know, the technology is there and, and can be done, you know, as, as the market market drives it. So, Mark, for, for this biochange system, I mean, talk to us about scale, physically, how big is it? What size of, you know, how do you measure it? Is it SCFM? Is it cubic meters an hour? Like, what kind of flow rates are you putting through? Yeah, so <clears throat> different units, obviously different countries and different units, and we're, we're always having our fun with uh, converting between U.S., Canadian, European requirements. Uh, I've, I've got to the point where I, I calculate not only in meters and feet, but in fingers, rods, and stones for that matter. But uh, wow. biblical <clears throat> proportions. Yep. So, no, the... We do try to, uh, to to containerize and to make a very compact system with biochange. So we do uh, serve flow rates anywhere from about 100 to 1500 SCFM, which is about 150 to 2400 cubic meters, normalized cubic meters per hour. Um, and that's a very broad range, very big range. Uh, if, if you look at the different industries and, and focus sort of on the agricultural livestock manure, um, digestion, it's more in the 300 to 700 SCFM range. Hmm. Okay, cool. And as, as far as the, the footprint goes, you know, it's, it's like a, an Equimax container. So we're talking, uh, including the, the pad that it would sit on, a footprint of maybe 20 feet by, yeah, 20 by 20 feet, if you include all the equipment, pre-treatment as, as well as the main container. Now, when we were doing projects with uh, uh, 3PI and we were, you know, there was this, beautiful sheet that you could pick your paint color of your container does that can you do that mark with with the bio change or you got to just take whatever you get 
No, you, you could. You could even have, and I'm sure Dan will will jump at that, uh, have a mural painted on it if, if you really wanted to. Oh. Uh, no, well, we, we, we do have, uh, we have our own uh, paint department that will specialize in, in giving you the colors that you, you really like. I, I will have to say, Matt, our, our paint colors are not as exciting as maybe what we had at 3PI. We, uh, at 3PI, we love to use electric blue and, and all these kind of names um you know for a b it, it's an rel number so if you can okay. choose an rel number it, it, it's good we would expect nothing less from a, a Euro european uh, supplier um i the, the paint colors from 3pi always remind me of our story an early story of our co-host who couldn't be here today she when we were doing that job up at the mine dan with the two waukesha engines and we we were presenting to them um our solution and it, we had not yet been awarded and we had not not yet been selected but after the presentation and we had just been to your shop she lisa pulled out these essentially paint swatches and uh, she said to the guys who were still evaluating their decisions she said you know here give some thought to uh um you know what paint color you might like for these containers once you know if if we're if we're selected and uh, and I didn't make much of it at the time, but, you know, in retrospect, I'm thinking, you know, that was pretty smooth because she's got them thinking about not not so much which engine they're going to choose, but paint colors. Like she's got them past that decision. Sure enough, it secured the order and uh, and uh, it was a good project. So um, and she she has set the bar now. So if uh, we, we know a salesman that's not quite up to that capability level, we we, we now coined the term. Well, they're not a Lisa Barber. They're, they're no Lisa Barber. That's right. That's right. Um, Mark, what's what's driving this industry uh, in North America? This this bio change RNG market. I mean, we used to we used to do you know biogas. Always used to go to CHP and make power and heat. And now it strikes me that it's pivoting. What, what's driving that from your vantage point? So, the big driver obviously is a focus on low carbon fuels. So. <clears throat> You've got um, different countries, Canada following suit as well with a, a low carbon fuel standard that's coming in, um, well, hopefully next year or within a year or two. Uh, California has a low carbon fuel standard um, and, and there are certain requirements for renewable energies put into, into the grid, transportable energies as opposed to um, renewable power generation, which is then localized. So the, the idea being that if you green the grid, remove um, fossil fuels by putting in uh, renewable fuels into that grid, you can use that energy well anywhere in North America. It's one big grid. And that, that also applies to the um, the installation sites themselves. So when biogas is generated uh, and then upgraded to RNG and put into the grid, it, it doesn't matter whether that's in Nova Scotia, Maine, BC, or California, it's all one grid and the, uh, the accessibility to programs and incentives remains the same. And then the idea is to remove carbon or reduce a carbon footprint, um, remove carbon from the environment on the transportation side. So a big driver, California, obviously, that uh, has a system where transportation fuel can be replaced by um, the, the renewable fuels through a, a credit offset system. And that's a huge driver. And, and so the driver is is a, a mandatory compliance, like a, a certain threshold. It has to be uh, renewable. Is it, is it like a, a dollar per ton incentive, or is it a like a minimum 
volume like what, what what's the actual mechanism that's that's driving it out of curiosity so, so on a on a federal level there's a there's a requirement to have a certain percentage of the available fuels be from renewable sources uh, in the low carbon fuel standard uh, concept it's it's also replacing a certain percentage of carbon generating um, technologies with lower carbon um, emitting technologies or carbon removing technologies so You've got um, a number of utilities in Canada who do offer incentives based on a gigajoule produced versus an American market with credits and, uh, and a free credit, more or less free, uh, credit market that, um, that where you trade those credits, where companies have to um, offset their carbon emissions by acquiring credits, hence the market uh, opportunity, and you can, you can uh, produce these credits through the energy output of the, of the gas you make. Cool. And one kind of last question on this, Mark, are you seeing these projects go where biogas is currently, you know, being flared? Or are you seeing also biogas that used to go to CHP now going to upgrading? There is a lot of that as well happening, um, especially as, you know, fit tariffs or uh, any of the feed-in tariffs start expiring or uh, engines start hitting their, their life end. Um, th there is the the opportunity um, to use the biogas that's already on site. The infrastructure is already there. It makes projects go a little bit faster, um, given that the digesters might already be there, the gas collection systems at landfills are already in place, and it's really just replacing one technology for another. But the incentives are are massive. I mean, when we when we look at the U.S. market, the incentives for RNG, depending on source and carbon intensity score, can easily be over seventy dollars per MMBTU. Whoa, wow, that's crazy. Um, now, Dan, he said that engines reach their end of life, but I thought with good maintenance and a good engine, they could run forever. Is that not true, Dan? Uh, we, we wish it was true, Matt, but at some point, parts do need to be replaced. Uh, so, so, you know, typically for us uh, with the Janbacher engines, depends on the, the size of the engine, but, uh, you know, you're going to see a, a minor overhaul, either at uh, 30,000 operating hours or 40,000 operating hours, then you're going to see a major overhaul at uh, 60,000 or 80,000 operating hours, depending, again, on the, the you know, the, the uh, frequency of the engine, if there's a gearbox, the RPM. Um, right the engine uh, but but really you know the the minor overhaul is definitely planned for um, I mean we you know we need that uh, to get past that 30,000 operating hour and then you know this critical point that Mark's talking about is really the major overhaul where um, you know it's it's pretty you know you have to pull the engine out you have to drop the crankshaft replace bearings so it's uh, it can be costly and I think right now a lot of customers are deciding hey do I spend that money to do this or could there be a possibility to convert the plants over to bio change to biomethane upgrading and, and and maybe sell my gas for you know seventy dollars per mm btu so. yeah wow interesting so dan you know to pivot to maybe a different form of of rng i mean you you can't swing a dead cat these days without hearing somebody talk about hydrogen so you know, we're going to talk about it here. I mean, what's whether whether it's your view, Dan, or the view of AB, like where are you guys at with respect to hydrogen as a fuel? Sure. Yeah. So Matt, I can give you the AB kind of point of view and what we're doing. Um, I'm no hydrogen expert. Um, really, for me, I I kind of see it as like the shiny object in the room right now. 
so a lot of people are are focusing and talking about it but uh, you know recently we even sponsored a, a white paper and in the white paper they kind of lumped hydrogen biogas and rng together and i said guys like you can't lump these three together like clearly you know two of these things are here today and, and one of them we're planning for but it's going to take some time so you know for us hydrogen we're watching it you know we have a really great r d department at ab and actually the biochain system came directly from our r d department so mm-hmm. we're pretty excited to see what's going to happen with hydrogen we're planning for it um what i would say you know 100 hydrogen would be great um, there are some capabilities right now with janbacher for 100 hydrogen so we we do have an engine selection that goes up to nearly 900 kW. Um, but what, what I think is probably more realistic is a, a mix of hydrogen um, it, with the input fuel. And I can tell you that even the standard engines that we sell now are capable of some hydrogen. And mm-hmm. with some retrofits, we can get up to 60% um, hydrogen on some of these engines. So that mix is probably more of a reality. Um, but when we do get to 100%, we you know, we have solutions now and, and we'll have many more solutions when we get to 100%. Yeah, and it strikes me that I think the the technology is probably there. It's the market drivers and, you know, the infrastructure that, that isn't there yet in the hydrogen economy. I mean, it's, as you say, it is the shiny object in the room and it, it's it's going to come. I, I'm confident of that. It's just a matter of, you know, when and, and, and you know, how long is it going to take and how how is it going to get there? Is it going to be blended in the pipe? Is it going to be you know, Fed direct, uh, that's going to depend on a variety, a variety of factors. So and my, my, uh, only, my only concern, Matt, is just the distraction part of it. You know, we I, I hope that customers are not waiting and holding, you know, for hydrogen to become a reality. I mean, we have plenty of options for biogas, um, even natural gas. I mean, there's a lot of um, work we're doing to uh, even with the DOE to show that, you know, even natural gas engines have a benefit uh, for carbon reduction through 2050, um, especially in you know in states where you know the utility is coal, a 60% coal in some states. So you know I think that attention really needs to be you know on the upcoming years. And I think CHP is still a perfect fit if you look at the life of a CHP at this point. You know 15 or 20 years that fits in perfectly as a transition um, over to you know 100% renewable at, at some point. That transition word is is interesting, like, and I think that's that's what we're seeing. And and Canada, the U.S. are the same in terms of you have different pockets of the country at different stages of that transition, right? And you have you know in Ontario, you know in New York and California, they're way down the road. Then you have others where you know they're they're just starting it, and then you have others that are you know they they have to, but they haven't, right? And so. The nice thing about what we do, I think, is, you know, natural gas can be the first phase of that transition and then RNG and then eventually hydrogen. But there's kind of a staged, a staged approach. Right. So what what do you what are you seeing, Dan, in terms of the next five years of CHP in the U.S.? Is it you know, is it an exciting time? Is it are you a little bit kind of nervous about the new Biden administration? I mean, what, what's your kind of outlook over the next three to five years? Yeah, I, th- I think I think Matt, it's pretty pretty positive. Um, you know, we've we've seen a lot of uh, our biggest customers are super, you know, worried about decarbonization. So these are the big international global companies that have mandates from headquarters. Um, and really, you know, 
the quickest way right now for them to get to those immediate, you know, goals is, is CHP. So, you know, we've seen actually a, a shift from, you know, feasibility, economic feasibility over to decarbonization. Um, we recently had a customer that approached us and said, hey, I'd, I'd like a, a review of potentially what we can do at this site. But I don't care about the feasibility, economic feasibility part of it. I want to see the greenhouse gas reduction because we don't have a way to get to our goals currently. Wow. Um, so, so I think there may be some concerns over, you know, the Biden administration and specifically about uh, fracking and, and, and bio and I'm sorry, natural gas production. But I think the reality is, you know, natural gas is, is, is here to stay. Um, we are going to see more plants installed for this uh, transition period. Hmm. And Mark, what about you? If you if you flip the switch and you put your Canadian hat back on, uh, what do you see in terms of projects uh, moving forward? Um, you know, in the outlook for CHP in Canada. Well, I can actually wear both hats on that. So on the uh, so the the EcoMax side, uh, CHP uh, power generation. There's still exactly what what Dan said. Look, uh, a lot of customers are looking at greenhouse gas emissions. I've worked on a number of projects where that is the forefront and the feasibility. It's not the economic uh, economics that uh, are being primarily looked at, but how much greenhouse gas emissions we can offset and uh, develop the projects that way. And on the uh, on the RNG side, uh, a CHP can, and we've seen a number of projects in in North America already do this. Uh, combines CHP with with RNG upgrading. So we actually have a couple of Ecomax uh, systems running with or in conjunction with RNG upgrading. Unfortunately, those were installed before we brought by a change to the market, so it's not our RNG upgrading. Uh, but again, that adds to the flexibility of Ecomax. It doesn't have to run with our product. It can run with uh, and provide power and heat for for any kind of project. So it's a natural gas engine. It's a natural gas engine that is that has a biogas upgrading in front of it, like. Or do they run in parallel? They, they can run, yeah. So you, you would typically have, you, you want to use the biogas to generate RNG. The RNG is much more valuable. So you wouldn't want to use that, but neither the biogas nor the RNG to, to run the Ecomax. It's usually in conjunction with the natural gas. Okay. Um, it, right on. Cool. Very good. Well, is there anything else we haven't uh, covered here together, guys, in terms of uh, what's exciting in CHB or AB or... Uh, you know, the market in general. Yeah, um, Matt, Matt. Maybe one thing I'd add. You know, I, I've, I've talked a lot about the importance of the service, and and I, and I do really believe, you know, one of the things that's really hurt, you know, our industry is failed CHP projects. And I think, you know, you can have a good product uh, that's not serviced well, and it can become a failure. Uh, and you can have uh, a, a pretty cheap product that fails even with the best service. So I think service is super important but uh, one thing i did want to tell you and you're the first one to hear this outside of ab is that pretty soon you'll see some information that'll come out on linkedin where we've just hit uh, 50 million operating hours for our operation uh for our service fleet wow so we think fifty million operating hours so it's a congratulations that's amazing excellent wow wow cool that is something to to promote and to celebrate. So that that might become the uh, title of this episode: fifty million hours. It might go. scare some people away, though. They might think that's how long the podcast. Episode. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's great. Congratulations. That's worldwide. Yep, worldwide. Yep. So over the over the forty years, you know, we've been really producing CHP plants for thirty years, um, 
and that's uh you know we're up to 1500 plants at this point so just uh uh, you know, and, and with that 50 million operating hours every year, we look at our availability gu uh, guarantees, but our availability metrics, and uh, we're sitting around 98% availability. So pretty, pretty good. Oh. Pretty good that, data. That's really good. That's great. Cool. Yeah, and that also applies to the uh, to the bio change side. So you know, with the the capabilities and service, we also have for RNG upgrading, uh, uptime, and performance guarantees that that go along with the service uh, capabilities. Excellent. Excellent. Good. Um, well, thank you both. This has been uh, this has been fun. Uh, Dan, when are you coming up uh, to Canada to hunt? Uh, you probably didn't get up here last year, did you? I didn't. Uh, I'll be up there in June if they open the border, Matt. Really? Well, I, Mark and I, Mark and I, will do our best to talk to uh, um, our current prime minister uh, and see if we can't uh, get a special exemption for you, Dan. Uh, yeah, I mean you can you can come and you can quarantine at my house for uh, for 14 days and then you can you can go north. Where, where will you go if you can go? Um, so so just uh, north of uh, um, Ottawa, north just of Ottawa, into Quebec. Yeah. Right on. So it should be fun. Should be fun, Matt. I'm I'm even vaccinated now, so uh, if they require that, I'm good to go. I cannot believe how many people I talk to in the U.S. who are vaccinated. The number keeps, and, and here in Canada, it's quite different. Anyways, this is not a political uh, talk show. It's an energy talk show. Um, so if, if our listeners want to get a hold of you guys, what's the best way to find AV, to find, you know, how, how, where do they send the purchase order, that kind of stuff? Sure, sure. So, Matt, I usually hide, um, but if anybody wants to get a hold of me, um, you know, my email address, uh, daniel.white at groupoav.com. Um, we can always be found on the cogeneration channel, biogas channel, uh, and even Google search for AB Energy USA. Um, Mark, we also have links for biochain. Yeah, yeah. So we've got um, we've got our website for biochange, like uh, ca dot biochange with a four um, dot com, and uh, obviously groupoab.com. And they can get anybody can get hold of us that way. Excellent. Great. Well, uh, again, thank you both uh, for joining us today. This was fun. Um, Dan, please give my greetings to uh, my girlfriend, Maria. I hope she's well. Um, and uh, we, uh, on behalf of uh, our whole team here and Mark behind the glass and our absentee uh, co-host, Lisa Barber, uh, we appreciate both of you guys uh, coming on and talking today. This was episode 43 of Energy Radio. 50 million hours of operating a CHB within the AV family. Congratulations to you guys and uh, looking forward to seeing you both uh, again soon uh, as we start to climb out of this pandemic. Thanks again. Take care, everybody. Stay safe.